Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. journey through pop culture's past. Hold on to your butts. This is Nostalgia Theater. Brought to you by the Movie Film Podcast. back to Nostalgia Theater, everybody. This is Aki Hassan, and when I started out planning this show, I was going to look at not just TV shows and not just movies from sort of this, this mythical nostalgia era that I consider my nostalgic sweet spot, but also sort of multimedia phenomena, and I think in that list, very near the top for me, was the Garbage Pail Kids trading cards phenomenon, which was as beloved by children as it was hated by adults, which of course made it only more beloved by children. So really, when I set out to do this show, I was like, I'm going to do a Garbage Pail Kids episode. So it was fortuitous when I was able to get in touch with Joe Simcoe, who is currently an artist on the the new series of Garbage Pail Kids trading cards. But in addition to that, he's a cartoonist who's well known for the Wacky Packages series for Tops. He also runs his own company, Wax Eye, with his wife, producing the Stupid Heroes and Serial Killers trading cards. That's serial as in breakfast, by the way, so not like the Jeffrey Dahmer series. Uh, He also wrote and illustrated the children's book, The Sweet Rot, and is currently co-producing and co-directing 30 Years of Garbage, the Garbage Pail Kids story. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Aki. Appreciate it. So, you know, I, I almost, I want to dedicate this episode to like my teacher back in third grade or second grade who took my Garbage Pail Kids cards from me. I had Mean Gene. That's the one I remember. And right. I never did see that card again. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of teachers out there that probably have drawers and drawers of Garbage Pail Kids, more than the kids ever had. And they've probably they've probably put them on eBay, and they're they're you know able to put an addition on their house with those early cards. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so so now I'm I'm curious about this. Now now you are in addition to working on the the current Garbage Pail Kids, you're I'm assuming you're a longtime fan. 
Of course. I mean, child of the 80s, grew up in the 80s. Uh, I was about 10 years old when they came out. So it hit the cord. Um, all the kids in school were collecting them. It was it was the perfect time, you know, to be to be into that. And absolutely a fan. To be painting them now, it's one of those things I would never even have thought of. Growing up, going through high school and, and you know, taking college art uh, art classes, not even thinking of, you know, you're already, you know, my brain is like already forgotten about garbage pill kids at this point. And uh, strange to be thinking that uh, I'd be painting them now. And very cool. So, so you were about 10 when, when the, when the cards first came out and we're talking, this is like 1985. That's it. Yep. So having, having now you, you've gone into the archives, you've, you've talked to the people where, where did this start? And I mean, obviously it, it seems very apparent that this was a direct response to the overwhelming success of Cabbage Patch Kids. Absolutely. Well, with doing the documentary, you know, going back and uh, finding all the original artists and creators who uh, worked at Tops in the day, Mark Newgarden, Len Brown, Art Spiegelman, who've all gone on to do their, you know, incredible works of art in their own right. Um, getting the stories from them of how it came about, which, uh, you know, at the time the Cabbage Patch Kids were huge and Tops really wanted to get just simply the license to Cabbage Patch Kids and put out picture cards. You know, as Tops does with, you know, movie cards or te television or entertainment, you know, just capture what's hot and uh, put out trading cards of that. Of course, you know, the uh, Cabbage Patch Company, uh, I suppose Coleco perhaps owned it at the time. Um, yeah. They just, you know, they were too big already. It's like, no, they just passed. They're like, no, we don't need picture cards. We already have, you know, stickers and T-shirts and all this other stuff, you know. So... Uh, learning about that, that they couldn't get the rights to do that. They're like, well, all right, we'll just make fun of them. <laughs> yeah. Which, which, you know, it's, it's, sorry. It's worth, uh, sorry, just a real quick, it's worth pointing out here what a strange, bizarre phenomenon the Cabbage Patch dolls were when they started. Because, you know, there's at least, you know, me being a little kid, I was like, I don't get it. They're right. just these regular dolls. But it was like, they were like the Tickle Me Elmo before Tickle Me Elmo. They were the mega huge. It was like we have shots from uh, uh, news footage of back in the day when parents were just just like clamoring for these dolls. It was like a Black Friday sales that you see now at Walmart, but mm -hmm. one specific item. Like <laughs> the insane mob, but for one item. You know, with uh, store vendors behind counters with baseball, like seriously, baseball bats screaming, get back, get back. <laughs> uh, you know, Cabbage Patch dolls flying everywhere. And it was, yeah, it was such a huge craze. But what I think was so cool is that, yeah, girl, there were boys into it, but it was a girl thing mostly. Yeah. Um, to me, it was like this crazy uh, thing that was invading the boy world, the little kid boy world of toys. And the, ga the Garbage Pail Kids were like the answer to that. That was like the rebellion, right? That was like... Like their little world, their demographic was like this Cabbage Patch thing dominating their world. And here came Garbage Pill Kids. It like completely was like the perfect uh, antithesis to that. So I think that's, that's a pretty fun concept that, that, that happened there. So in, in Hollywood, they say success has many fathers. And, and with, with Garbage Pill Kids, was it the brainstorm of one person or was it truly a collaboration that made it, um, you know, what it, what it became? Uh, that's the debate. That's the <laughs> that's the struggle with some of the, the original creators. Uh, some claim ownership, some claim sole ownership, some claim collaborative ownership. Uh, 
I think we captured it pretty well in the documentary, so let's uh, maybe the viewers can <laughs> <laughs> kind of decide themselves too. So um, in my eyes, it was collaborative. It had to. Yeah. I mean, even with the artists that they brought in, John Pound, the original artist that they hired to do these these beautiful paintings, um, you know, even though he's mimicking a style that's already out there, he still had to put his his stamp on it, his unique uh, ins inspired uh, um, artistic uh, mindset into these paintings. So, uh, you know, he's he could be considered a, a creator of it too. So, not just the guys that said let's do it, sure, the artists as well. Now, now the original run was was for for how many years? It started in '85 and it kind of petered out. Uh, was it by like 1990? It was '88, 1988. Okay. Um, spe specific month, and we have like a garbage bucket historian we interviewed, and there are people that uh, they have it they have it pinpointed down to like probably the day wow. <laughs> it died. But it, it was one of the months. I want to say like early to spring in 88. Um, but then, Hey, could have been fall or winter, but yeah, it basically went to 1988 mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, at least in the U S but it became such a phenomenon that across the world, the country, and we have this in our documentary, the incredible foreign releases, uh, of garbage bill kids, uh, were producing them throughout the, uh, late eighties, early nineties, um, possibly even up into mid nineties, but the U S saw nothing. It was basically forgotten. By the, right. 90s, by the time the 90s hit, it was like, it's amazing. Little kids' fads, even if something as huge and monstrous as that, uh, to myself, you know, as an artist, was so addicted to these things. I was like, yeah, after like just a few years, I'm like already on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and and that's kind of interesting in and of itself because I can I can you know I still have memories of that era and I can attest to how quickly things would burn white hot and then just kind of burn out. Right. No, absolutely. So, so I mean, we're talking what about three years of you know so so it it had in within three years it went from slow burn to explosion to just kind of petering out. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I mean, I remember I specifically remember being in like. Uh, camp or in school by the time I was hitting like 13, 14 years old and you kind of got made fun of by your peers if you were still collecting garbage bell kids. It was like, wow. you're still collect like, you know, because they went up to the, uh, they went up to 15 series of garbage bell kids. Right. So, you know, they were hot in the th second, third series, fourth series, great fit. All right, wait, you're holding a pack from like 15, what are you, lose? Now, now it's like, <laughs> really, it was kind of embarrassing, which I feel, you know, it's like, why, why was I show, so ashamed back then? But uh, um, now I'm very proud of it, of course. <laughs> but uh, well, yeah, yeah. When, when the series, when, when the, when the brand was first created, I'm assuming it didn't just explode right off the bat. I think they did pretty well. I, from what I gather, there was like a, a test release in Pennsylvania. Um, but you know what? They, I think they did. They did fairly well. I mean, they hit their peak probably by the third series, second or third series, but they caught on right away. Hmm. A wacky, I mean, Garbage Pail Kids were an answer or like a callback to the wacky packages that Tops had released in the right. 90s, which was the parody. I mean, that's kind of like where they were getting, you know, the idea to like, oh, it's easy to make fun of them because they did that already with wacky packages, spoofing household products. Instead of Crest toothpaste, they would have a sticker painted. It would call Crust toothpaste, you know, right. things like that. Um, and that took a while. So it was almost like the, the, uh, 
the first start was them testing that whole spoof parody card set. Uh, not to dwell on the wacky packages things, but that was kind of like they they made them originally as like uh, cardboard pop out uh, things that you had to like just pop out of a cardboard, sure. uh, and 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 they just didn't do well. And then they then like oh let's turn them into stickers, and then that's what became successful. So I think with that already as kind of a testing ground, garbage pail kids took off like immediately knowing let's just do them as stickers right off the bat. Um, they knew how to do the packaging. Um, everything really worked out pretty well <laughs> as we so, can see. So, I mean, the, the, the brand, did it originate with Art Spiegelman? I mean, he's sort of credited as one of the key people is, did he dream it up or was he given marching orders and he kind of ran with it? Sure. Well, it was, see, that's the thing we're, we we do tell a lot of the story where it was a combination of like all these elements really working out. Yes. He was working at tops at the time. Um, Mark Newgarden was extremely instrumental in the fact that he was brought into Tops in the 80s where they decided to keep going with wacky packages. And Mark, and Mark Newgarden was like, all right, I'll do a parody of the Cabbage Patch Kids, you know, calling it the Garbage Pail Kid, which was a painted package, like oh. traditional wacky packages style, um, where it's the box with the little doll inside, and it's called Garbage Pail Kid in the cabbage patch font with the leaves and everything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was his concept, but for whatever reason, they never published it. And so lo and behold, that was kind of like maybe a, a little seed um, or a major seed actually of, uh, you know, the CEO of tops basically sure. saying, you know, if we can't get the license to cabbage patch kids and let's just, you know, parody them. Um, and then art Spiegelman basically, got that, you know, took that um, original concept that Mark Newgarden had come up with for the Wacky Packages, um, and Art Spiegelman really riffed on that and came up with a lot of concepts. So it was kind of like without the two, hmm. uh, you know, and, you know, Art Spiegelman came up with the adjective name that describes the vice of the character, uh, you know, Boney Joni, instead of just like, <laughs> all the names, because originally they could just do names of kids, like Joni, or Zaki, or Joe, or Fred, or Bob. <laughs> You know, art came up with like, no, let's, you know, copy, like, you know, have, uh, have them doing something gross, bony Joni or Joe Blow. Um, and then, you know, with, with Len Brown kind of controlling, he was kind of like the art director, Len Brown. He went, goes back to, to the top stays. Like he was the uh, co-creator of Mars Attacks cards, um, many things, all the crazy candy that they used to put out. Um, he put his input a lot into it and, uh, like I said, the artist that they hired, John Pound, I mean, he is an incredible fantasy, like hyper-realism fantasy artist, painter. Right. Um, we show a lot of that in the documentaries, fantasy art, which is incredible. And then he just wanted to do humor because <laughs> he was sick mm -hmm. of doing very serious, dark, brooding fantasy art, which is beautiful. But he's like, I just want to do humor stuff. And he landed this and with his stamp, I kind of look at it like that's the band, you know, you got the, you know, you can't have like the Beatles with one guy, you know, they were like a four headed monster, <laughs> like wow. any band or, or artist group collective, um, you know, and, and it's funny because all these guys came from like the underground comics movement, uh, you know, as writers and artists, they just happened to work under this corporate, you know, uh, company. Yeah. So, you know, if it wasn't for like this corporation that, you know, of course was able to like fund it, um, you know, so in a way Tops was able to, you know, 
put this out, but it did come from these like underground comics artists <laughs> who created this massive pop cultural art movement that in a weird way I like to call it, it's like this, it was underground. It was like the most mainstream underground thing ever at the time. Cause it got no press, no advertisement on TV, no print ads. Yeah. Nothing. Just word of mouth through the schoolyards. So it was like it, underground, but mainstream. So it, it was, it, it was an organic phenomenon in that, like you said, I mean, it, you heard about it from, from on the streets, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The streets, the schoolyards, uh, um, I mean, that's, I think that's, you know, the most viral thing for, you know, anything in a day without any kind of a social media internet happening at the time. It's, it's you know, who are you going to be all your contacts around at that time? The kids in school, your friends. So, so how, how many, how many cards were in the, in the first series? I believe it's 40. So basically they did two up. So there's 44 paintings and mm -hmm they did two names. So, you know, it'd be like an A and a B card. So you had Boney Joni and mm -hmm. then a, the exact same painting, but she'd be called Thin Lynn. And that'd be like oh. B, the B version. So really kids would be collecting 88 cards <laughs> instead of 44. You know, they'd have to get the entire set 88, but there's 44 different designs. Gotcha. And so, and th was that for each series was about that many? Yeah, yeah, pretty much until we're starting to get, I mean, we won't get ahead of ourselves, but like the paintings we're doing now at Tops, I mean, we go up into the hundreds and, you know, it, it gets crazy with, with bonus cards and hidden redemption stuff. So, <laughs> wow, so, you know, printing plates and, and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, traditionally all the way up in the original 80s, 1985 to 88, it was, it was basically about that number, 40, mid 40s. Um, equaling about 80, 80 something cards for each series. And again, and that's, that's through like 15 series. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, John Pound, uh, you know, just going through all these, he was basically doing a painting a day. Um, and tops decided, well, we got to bring somebody else to keep John from burning out. <laughs> awesome, awesome underground comics cartoonist. And he's working for mad magazine now, Tom bunk. Um, uh, he did a lot of the iconic characters that you see eerie Eric, who's like this little werewolf dude, large Marge. Um, he came in and then they brought in James Warhola. We interviewed him. He is the nephew of Andy Warhol. Uh, oh, wow. Huge pop, cool, yeah, uh, pop artist. Um, so he, and he, it's great because we hear his thoughts on what Andy Warhol thought of garbage fell kids. So we'll save that for the documentary, but uh, <laughs> it's pretty neat, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, you know, these artists really were working <laughs> a lot. They were putting out about four series, four to five series a year at some point, you know, as opposed to what we're doing with the artists currently, like myself, we're doing like one to two series a year. Okay, oh, wow. And there's more of, more of us. There's right. like five to six artists. Well, okay, so, so you mentioned how, you know, it was this organic phenomenon as far as how, how kids glommed onto it. Now, going right hand in hand in hand in that, excuse me, was um, the controversy. Sure. At what point does the controversy flare up? You know, it, it comes in fairly early uh, around the third to fourth series. Well, the controversy basically like just parents and educators and, and psychologists, psychiatrists all condemning it and, and, uh, was was pretty early on, second or third series. But as far as we're getting into like lawsuit times, 
um, is probably the second year into it. So they're, they're already into the, into the third or fourth series as well. But there was like a deal that got worked out where a settlement was made. So, you know, you have the Cabbage Patch uh, Company, original Appalachian Artworks, um, which was one run by the creator of Cabbage Patch Kids, Xavier Roberts, um, suing Tops uh, for infringement. Uh, all the details of this stuff is also in the documentary, just numbers. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but um, uh, we, so basically they made a settlement, which is that, you know, there was still a little payout, but Tops had to basically change the look of the Garbage Pail Kid characters. So they couldn't look like soft plush dolls anymore, um, like stuffing ripped out of them. They had to have hard plastic cracks on them. They have that hinges on the joints, on the yeah. arms and legs. Uh, the eyes had to be really a little bit bigger. So, and it's, by the 10th series, you can see the difference um, between the ninth series looking like the old cloth Cabbage Patch dolls. And then if you look at any 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th series from the 80s, um, they're like these weird looking hard plastic dolls. I mean, they, they try to make it look as close as possible, but there was, you know, the difference in art style. So they look a little funky <laughs> in the later right. series. Um, a few other changes. They had to change the logo from the curved, from the curved banner to a straight banner that goes across. Subtle changes, but um, as as uh, James Rohola says, uh, he's like, you know, he didn't like that. He didn't like to put in cracks and and joints in the in the characters, and he felt the changes were subtle enough, but subtle enough to kill the whole concept. <laughs> wow. It could have been that, but sales were dwindling. And by the time they got to the 15th series, they had actually already painted a complete 16th series, but never published it. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they just stopped at number 15. Um, well, it's a good round number. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> five, five, five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now, you know, in, in terms of not just the, the lawsuit from from uh, the, the, the Cabbage Patch people, which I think it was Coleco at that time, but um, in addition to that, you, you alluded to, you know, the, the psychologists and, all, and the parent groups and whatnot getting, getting upset. Um, what, 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 uh, what was the process by which they sort of, like, what was, what was the quality control to not get too gross or too far out there? Or was there any? Right. Well, that's, you know, exactly. It's like, wow, they really pushed the envelope on a lot of these things. But believe it or not, there was even cards that got unpublished. And we show those unpublished cards in the documentary. And some, you know, super fans and uber collectors, they, they've they seen these. There are, some of these are out there, but some of them aren't. And uh, it's it's fascinating, you know, some like, you know, just, just handicapped children <laughs> in really bad positions, uh, um, theological um, disparagements, uh, yeah. religious type stuff, um, uh, heavy suicide over, even though they did touch on suicide a lot, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> we're able to, you know, other ones, uh, you know, stuff with guns and stuff and they had guns, um, which is crazy because now we do live in an age where it's just so forbidden that, uh, us current artists, we can't, we can't paint guns on our garbage pail kids. Um, you know, back then they had characters with guns, but physically having the character like pointing a gun to his head and <laughs> shooting his brains out, <laughs> they actually had painted uh, some of those things went unpublished. So I think they knew there was there was a line. Um, they still try to push it as far as they could, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure uh, I don't know <laughs> they would have gotten really hit even heavier with some 
some some massive uh, lawsuits outside of just Cabbage Patch infringement if they went with some of these really dark cards. Super dark. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those things where, I mean, uh, w- certainly a- as a kid, I know that if if I was forbidden to, uh, to be uh, a fan of something, that made me want to be a fan more. Oh, yeah. Of course, right? That's the case. Absolutely. Uh, interview, we interviewed, so we wound up getting, you know, people who uh, are now in their 30s, 40s, who are the children of the 80s. Um, everything from just your basic average fan um, to, to people who've gone on to become uh, horror film specialists uh, working at Fangoria to Adam Goldberg, who's producer of the Goldbergs um, series on ABC. Wow. He's a contributor to our documentary. And uh, so, you know, a lot of these people, myself included, had parents that uh, didn't mind us collecting these things, you know? Right. You think every parent would be against it, and there were, but there were a lot of kids whose parents were like, it's okay, it's fine, you know, we know it's not hurting you. Um, and a lot of these educate, you know, some psychiatrists even said, you know, their kids are just like, you know, these are interviews from the 80s with psychiatrists, like really current at the time. Saying you know, kids are just identifying with these things, and it's 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 harmless activity. <laughs> so there were, along with the people against it, there were uh, uh, parental organizations that were like saying it's fine. Um, what really came down, I think, with the banning in the schools from principals was not so much the the gross out nature was they were just clear distract- distractions in class. Huh. Kids were just talking to each other, trading them in the middle of class, and that's why they were getting confiscated more than. The, the gross out factor, which is, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the more enticing, juicier story, but um, they were just heavy distractions. Sure. It's like, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's almost quaint, right? When, when we're talking about this, it, it's almost quaint to be, to be like, oh, you know, remember the days when like trading cards would distract kids as opposed to the <laughs> stuff that's, that's uh, taken up their mind space now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their cell phone, their apps and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really is. It's this, it's this, you know, it's, it's a benchmark of just a simpler era. I think so. I think so. You know, and we talk about how like if trading cards even have a point or value in today's society. I mean, I run that company wax eye with my wife and, and, you know, we do well with our, with our parodies of the, uh, the serial killers, which is the, the, the spoof of breakfast cereals and, and monsters. And, and we have stupid heroes. And, uh, we talked to Len Brown, who again, the originator of Mars Attacks and worked on the Garbage Pill Kid sets. He, he sees that, you know, trading cards will always have a place because kids want whatever is the hottest thing. You know, the Marvel, Marvel movies out now, um, Doctor Strange coming out, Avengers, they're still going to be picture cards, you know, trading cards. The kids just want to have that, to own it, to hold it, to trade it. Um, it is still a, uh, you know, kind of a, a bonding experience between kids and their friends. So have that tactile touch uh, besides just like a digital, a digital world out there uh, is, is it's still there for, for the time being. Well, and that's, what's really interesting because I mean, there are these like apps that you download and you can digitally trade cards. And, right. and I'm like, I don't understand that. And I feel like just this geezer because I'm like, that makes no sense. Right. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, the way we handle it is we have we do have an app ourselves, Serial uh, Boom, we call it, and it's it's more we turn it into more of a video game of our trading cards. See that that makes sense to me. Yeah, and it works as an advertisement. I mean, you can collect the cards when you win a certain level, uh, but it 
it's also an advertisement <laughs> to get the cards. So, you know, it's like, it's like an ad to, yeah. into to buying the cards. Um, having them as stickers helps because people, you know, oh, sure. you know, just peel them and get in trouble by sticking them on refrigerators and <laughs> now in the in the middle of the original uh the original garbage pail kids run of course it, we went we expanded far beyond the the trading cards as as these things do now i'm i'm actually surprised there weren't like action figures or anything like that was that ever uh on the agenda or was there a legal thing that they couldn't do that well no you know there was but they got around it with doing they did something called cheap toys which are mm. these Super micro tiny little rubbery figures of about, see again, I'm not the cheap toy expert, and there are ones that are out there of a certain amount of figures, uh, of characters. And they're just like single solid color, like all green, or okay. all red, or all pink, or all blue. And they so they're like, they're like army men or something, like in terms yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, but like rubbery, and, 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 and they sold them in little garbage bags, which is, you know, a cool concept, but they called it cheap toys because, you know, they didn't want to, you know, Getting into the lawsuit thing, they couldn't put out toys because then the toys would wind up looking like Cabbage Patch Kids. And if they put out toys, they couldn't call them Garbage Pail Kids. They had would have to call it like Garbage Pail Gang or, in case, Cheap Toys, which was like a little a little garbage plastic garbage can. Um, it came with candy, garbage candy, and stuff like that. Um, hmm. So, yeah, that had a life in the 80s. Uh, they licensed out a lot of product. Um uh, bop bags, those, you know, giant inflatable punch, punching bags that kids could knock over and bop back up. Um, yo-yo sunglasses, uh, bouncy balls, just all this crazy stuff. Um, that I must've missed out on, but apparently Toys R Us was a big seller of them. And maybe just have a wall of all these garbage pail kid licensed products, um, in the eighties. And uh, you can go on you can go go on eBay now and find them, and they and you know some of them are priced pretty high, some of them you know are fairly reasonable, but you know they're in the couple hundred dollar ranges, you know, for collectors that's nothing. Uh, wow. To get. <laughs> uh, so as far as that's concerned, yeah, they could never really do a full on doll or product like that. Um, if you want to jump cut to now, twenty fourteen, you see Funko has been able to get the license and, and came up with some really incredible sculpts. Of a good batch of characters, giant ten-inch atom bomb, vinyl. <laughs> it's yeah, really nice comic books. Uh, you know, um, what else? They, they've 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 uh, they've produced some pretty cool stuff so far. Um, but yeah, back in the day, they, there was a whole licensing scheme, and then yeah, and then the cartoon. Yeah, so so let's talk about that now. Now the cartoon show was heavily hyped, but ultimately didn't air in the United States. Yeah, yeah, such a bummer. I remember checking the TV guide, and there it was listed in my Pennsylvania local listings. <laughs> you know, the, the TV guide. It wasn't the official TV guide, but you know the the, 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 the free one that came in the newspaper. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. And for like three weeks, you know, there it was, it was like Garbage Pail Kids, ten o'clock CBS, and it'd be like an extra hour of Muppet Babies instead. Uh, and I just be like, what's going on? And and there's nowhere to go on the internet and find research on this and other friends they don't know. And so you just, again, it's one of those things where you just, I'm um, disgruntled, <laughs> disgruntled to 11 or 12 year old kid at the time. And, and then I forget about it and move on. Then I'm into mad magazine and other stuff. But, uh, a DVD was released like a few years back of the whole entire, like 13 episodes, I suppose that never aired. Yeah. 
uh, in the U.S. Uh, you know, it did actually air at the time in other countries, like Philippines and, and uh, some European countries, believe it or not, Spain, I believe. Uh, but in, anyway, so yeah, this DVD comes out a few years back, and I watch it, and it's interesting. It's, it's cool in a way to actually see the Garbage Pail Kids in animation form, but at the same time, it's like, it's like you want more of them. Like, why are they only having like, you know, like a whole like 10 minute story with like no garbage pail kids in it, just like regular weird looking kids, you know, right. Make up their own or, but then there'd be another short story where they would have a classic character from a, from a card. Um, so it's kind of neat. So, but, uh, you know, and, and, uh, we touch on that in the documentary as well. So, um, some fascinating, fascinating stuff from that too. I mean, I, I find, I find that, you know, it, I didn't know about the Garbage Pail Kids cartoon at all until, like you said, until a couple of years ago when they released the cartoon. They're like, oh, the cartoon is coming out. I'm like, wait, there was a cartoon? And then, you know, I, I went back and did some digging. I was like, how how is this like this blind spot in my pop culture recall that I didn't know about the existence of this show? Right. But you know, and it was developed by by Flint Dilly, who you know he he wrote like the Transformers movie and uh, the Transformers the animated movie, I should say, and uh, you know he's heavily involved in in uh, GI Joe, I think. Uh, but I think I think the the problem, at least from what I see, and I've only seen just a, a handful of these episodes, is is the, it's I don't know that it's a world that really uh, lends itself to a universe. Right, right. Well, I think what they were trying to do, and and. Part of the concepts were good. I mean, split it into like three different kind of segments where there's like a uh, Scooby-Doo-esque type uh, thing where there's like, a, you know, one storyline would have, uh, what do they have, like six, six main characters? And so you would follow them around. Um, then there would be another storyline, you know, that, that would be like, you know, out of a half hour, that would be one 15-minute story. Then the next 15-minute story would be like a parody of a film, a famous movie, which is great because then you can turn that into Garbage Pail Kids. Um, and then they had this segments where they'd be like these little in-between, like, you know, 30-second little gag joke things in between the stories, um, which, which concept-wise was, I think, worked really well. But, you know, there's always something about it that just quite <laughs> didn't work. But I think it's neat that they attempted it. Um, and it's a lot more fun to watch than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll get to that in just a second. Now, now the cartoon show, basically CBS caved to... Uh, I want to say it's like Peggy Charon's group that was just all over uh, uh, kids programming during that time. Yeah, the AFA, the American Family Association. So, That's right. Yeah, they they got petitions, and I mean, they just got tons and tons of signatures, and and people donating money to uh, uh, for postcards, and just flooded CBS studios with just constant postcards of like, you know, do not do this, like, you know. Uh, just all these, these threats, not, you know, damaging, too damaging, but, you know, enough to, to the point where it actually caused CBS, and this is, this is a cool little fun fact, uh, at that time, I don't know about now, but at that time, it was the first show to ever be canceled due to a public protest. Not, wow. can, not canceled like, oh, you know, the, you know, CEO, the, the network doesn't like, it's like, do a public protest to, ne to never be aired, so uh, <laughs> that's pretty neat. <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it certainly gives the show, uh, you know, uh, it makes it a little more metal. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, th these protests happen happened it without these these groups having seen 
an episode. Oh no, they just based it on the cards, of course, and and you know, and in their written statements about it, they would just say the cards are telling kids that it's okay to make fun of other children, make fun of children with uh, with physical handicaps. Uh, uh, literally one line is like, it's okay to call children retards. Uh, it's wow. like pretty, re- I mean, this is their saying it. It's like, what, when did we ever say that? When did garbage? Yeah. Say that? Um, uh, we have some insane quotes from, from, from a lot of people. It's just, I'll wait for again for the doc for that, for people to read it. Cause it's, <laughs> it's laugh out loud funny. It's, I mean, it's, it's really like when you, when you think about it, I mean, the last thing that these cards were doing was saying, Hey, uh, let's poke fun at people with disabilities. Like the, the walk to get from a garbage pail kid card with like a kid unzipping his skin and there's like his skeleton to, Hey, let's make fun of people with disabilities. I mean, you really, like you have to do some pretty, you you have to do some walking to get there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And if anything, it probably goes back to like what I was saying, the psychiatrist from the 80s, uh, just basically saying, well, you know, some of these kids, they identify with it, you know, they're like, you know, they're outcasts or misfits. And, and, and uh, you know, these that's what these garbage pill kids are. And so it's, it's, they connect more with it. So as opposed to being like, you know, <laughs> sad, if I saw you, my name, <laughs> you know, right. it's like, oh, no. so. I, I would think that if you were now, now, now my name's Zachy. So I didn't get to see my name in many, you know, I don't, I don't get to buy my name on like a, a, a license plate, you know, but yeah. I missed out. But I'm thinking that if, if your name is Adam and you see Adam bomb, that's like, Hey, I've, I've made it. You know what I mean? Well, you're Adam. You made the number one, you made the box, the wrapper, all the product placement advertising. Yes. <laughs> No, that's that was what made it so collectible for kids. I mean, it was the combination of it hit so many things. Not only was it like this attack on on the uh, invasion of Cabbage Patch Kids, you know, to you know, to the boy world, but to have your name on there, I mean, that was so much more of a collectible, uh, you know, item to have. So, yeah, yeah that, it was that, your that, garbage pill kid. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, in a sense, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think I think cancel the the cartoon show getting pulled while it was no doubt you know traumatic for for kids who were waiting for it. I think that was probably the best thing that could have happened because I I can see how a show like that being on and assuming it had a life longer than thirteen uh, episodes, I could easily see it leading to kind of the homogenization of of the the brand itself. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like anything. Yeah. It just becomes, uh, this stale thing that's on, it's, it's out there in the world and everybody knows about, I mean, everyone knew about it at the time, but, uh, yeah, where it doesn't have that, uh, kind of that niche factor that it, that actually, yeah. that it took till now to actually get to right. actually really go to the underground again, you know? So. <laughs> Well, and and so I mean that's like a perfect place to segue to uh, the the film, which unlike the cartoon, uh, the live action movie did come out. Yeah, yeah. And and I think uh, many fans would agree. Uh, we wish that had gotten pulled too before. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, in it, we we got to interview a lot of the actors uh, in that movie. Uh, Mackenzie Aston, the lead role, a few of the little people who played uh, some of the garbage pill kids. Um, and and you know <laughs> they're honest about it. It's just great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Garbage Pail Kids movie is is really it. When I say you gotta watch it, it's I I mean it because there's nothing I can say to to sum up this just 
the the existence of this thing. It's 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 funny because Adam Goldberg, who I uh, mentioned, we interviewed in the documentary, and you know he's a producer now, and he writes children's he writes family film. He he's done stuff. Uh, he's done some uh, DreamWorks stuff, and and he's like. He, the thing about that '80s movie it fascinated him so much because only in the '80s were these weird movies. And I'm quoting him, Adam Goldberg, saying like "Mac and Me." I don't know if you remember oh, that. Sure. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, things like these weird, like family films that like they're so off the charts and bizarre. Like it could only have been made at that time. Sure. Um, and and Garbage Pail Kids was one of them. You know, there's this like weird adult content at the end where the Garbage Pail Kids are in a fashion show and they're ripping the clothes off the models and they're running around in their bikini underwear. <laughs> so, um, you know, and it you know it got labeled as like the second worst movie ever made, uh, first being Ed Wood. But you know, to, to to put that label, it's still watchable. It's a, it's a weird thing because yes, it's horrible, but it's watchable in the fact that. Uh, you can't look away. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, the director, he was doing it to fulfill a contract. So he wasn't really into it. And, and uh, what was the, they filmed it in like six weeks, the whole thing from, from like the beginning of like, Oh, we're going to do a movie. Not like, Oh, we're starting shooting, but like, we're going to do a movie called the garbage truck to the ending was six. Yeah. Uh, that's how fast it was. And uh, so well, it certainly shows. <laughs> Oh, you know, yeah, and and uh, but uh, it was great getting getting the interviews with some of the guys that worked on that. I'm sure, and, uh, and uh, just hearing their stories about it. You know what? What's fascinating about the movie to me is exactly what you said. How quickly they saw the trend and they jumped on it and they got the product out there. Because that, I mean, when you think about it, like for example, 1987, same year, uh, the Masters of the Universe movie came out. There's another one, yeah. Right, and that, and obviously that that ha, you know that's probably held in the same uh, same level of of uh, fascinating contempt, you know, whatever as as the Garbageville Kids. But I mean, we're t- when when the He Man movie came out, that was like five years after the toy line debuted, after the cartoon. The bloom was very much off the rose by then. Mm, yeah, they, yeah, it's 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 a hard thing. It's like you got to really you got to really jump on it when it's hot. Um, my whole thing was like. Capturing property, and, and this this can you can relate to any property series that's um, being made into films now that, that are getting like the gem the gem movie that came out. Oh, perfect example. Yeah. Just make the characters look like the cartoon. You know, Transformers, the, the big the big one, the big divide divisive uh, <laughs> you know Transformers films that came out. Uh, with Michael Bay. Yeah. To, to the I get it. I get, you know, there's a new generation wants to make, you know, put their own spin on it, make it look like it. To me though, it's missed the mark unless you make the character look like the licensed property and show them a lot. So the garbage showcase, I would just, you know, have them. But then again, at the same time, you know, that was the, that was the hard thing. Tops already had the lawsuit. They couldn't make these characters in the movie look like Cabbage Patch Kids. Hmm. So it's like, how are these scar, these art, these sculptors, you know, going to deal with this. So they had to kind of make them look like dolls, but you know, it was, it was a, it was a tricky situation. So uh, you can see their dilemma. John Buechler is an awesome, awesome uh, um, uh, makeup artist, effects artist from the eighties. He did the, he did the work on that and, and he's directed some great like films on his own, on his own right. Um, it's just like, you know, you can have the best master and it's like, you're stuck in a position where you got to make, you know, this movie, but they can't look anything like the cards. Yeah. So, well, now, regardless of quality, 
there was an enormous fan base for the property. So why didn't they turn out for the movie? I mean, uh, do, do kids pay attention to reviews? I mean, I don't think so. No, no, I think it also had to do a lot of parents. At that point, yeah, it was also parents. To be honest, I didn't even know. I don't think it got much advertising. Um, I didn't, again, it was one of those things I must have just missed or didn't catch um, any commercials, you know, running on television. Um, uh, I just, I just, I missed it. I, I, I didn't discover it until it was out in the video store like the next year or two later. Um, so that, that could have been one reason kids weren't hitting it. Um, maybe parents were just like, you know, it's not worth it. I, that's a question that I just, I'm still wondering myself. So. And and by the way, the, the, the Garbage Pail Kids movie actually came out like two weeks after the Masters of the Universe movie. So uh, <laughs> maybe all the kids were watching He-Man. That's actually yeah, or, or they saw like they didn't do He-Man, right? Because makes- <laughs> you know, they, it's Hollywood, everyone is doing the same, you know, they're all together. They're all one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you picture these like seven, eight-year-olds, like forget it. Hollywood doesn't care about the real fans, you know. <laughs> so, so the the film dies but that's not the reason that the cards sort of started to peter out even though this is kind of right in the movie and the cartoon were both right in the middle of this like three year four year run yeah true yeah yeah it was like 87 the film so yeah cards were still going on in 88 but like i said the 80 you know by then i think we were hitting up to the 10th series and that became the post lawsuit designs of the mm-hmm. characters so they were already starting to look a little weird. Um, and they were bringing in some other artists besides the three core guys, uh, John Pound, Tom Bunk, and James Mahola. Um, and, and not to disparage, but, it, it, you know, it just design. Some of these were really looking like, I don't even know if they were cartoonists. <laughs> wow. Some of the, I mean, they, they were artists, but, um, you know, it could have been like fine artists or like right, right, right. You know, beautiful landscape painters and <laughs> who knows. Um, <laughs> It's definitely leaked over into a little bit when when they brought them back in the early two thousands. Um, some of that, you know, clunking of the the beginning the beginning starts of of the of the all new series of Garbage Pail Kids had a little right. rough start, but uh, um, you know, so yeah, I think it was just it was dwindling. It, it's it's time has run out. It could have been the a combination like the little kid fad thing, um, which for three years is actually a long time considering now. I mean, there's studies on this too. It's like they get shorter and shorter as each. You know, Pokemon, which was probably a couple years, and I know kids are still into that, but that had even less of a of a uh, lifespan as far as its 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 peak. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I mean, when I, when I look at the late eighties, I, you know, when I sort of picture the decade in my mind, I, I, and specifically when I look at 88, I see, you know, the, the Ninja Turtles were like the thing that just stopped everything else in its tracks. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Ninja Turtles took over. Um, yeah, Saturday morning cartoons were still a big thing. I mean, they were, you know, still going strong. And um, yeah, it was just probably a lot of that stuff. The action, superhero stuff. Right. Really became popular. Uh, so, so, so Garbage Pail Kids basically went away. And as you said, by 1990, I mean, they were, they were essentially forgotten by, you know, uh, by the, the, the primo, the, the prime demographic. Uh, but they never truly went away, and they, they've kept coming back. Right. So, I mean, like I said, they were still going on in, in other places around the world. They would, you know, Russia would license it in, in like 2000 or something, 1999. And, and you know, you had so many different 
places across the across the world. Um, but as far as the U.S., they they kind of went into this underground world, and I didn't start really discovering them again. Like it really left my brain. I'm I'm like I didn't even think about them because I was just focused on college and you know trying to get into comics or underground underground comics, doing my own uh, stories and and, uh, and stuff like that. Um, and then a buddy of mine, uh, uh, an art school uh, friend of mine, he was buying them on eBay. Okay. Dave was just beginning, like, you know, we're in, we're in the late 90s here. Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, you can get those garbage bucket boxes, a complete box on eBay for like, you know, $30, like fourth series or fifth series. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I was like, this is great. So I've been buying them. But then we noticed like first series was like, you know, $1,000, $2,000 for a complete box. Now they're up to three to $5,000. Good Lord. They're going up. Yeah, yeah, just for the first series. But um. And you can still buy some of these boxes on eBay, all of them. Um, so that's kind of like my myself getting back into them, just just buying them, you know, and and, and just remembering them, the nostalgia for it. Um, and uh, I guess Tops, when Tops came about, uh, Jeff Zapata was the art director and uh, editor at the time. There, um, he's no longer with them, but he's he's a great friend of mine, and he's actually the co-producer and co-director on this documentary we're doing. Oh, great was the bridge to basically getting all these interviews. Um, but he brought me in to him and, and uh, Ira Friedman, who was, who was running that, uh, the entertainment division there at Tops, um, uh, to, to, do, to work on their new Garbage Bell Kids line. Um, but they had started in 2003. I didn't come in until 2000, like late 2008 or 2009. Sure. So, um, but yeah. That that was their that was their way to kind of try to bring Garbage Pail Kids back. Uh, in two thousand three, they they launched in like you know selects places like Dylan's Candy Store. They were never they did not hit like they were back in the day, like in every gas station, Seven Eleven, uh, you know Five and Dime or a card shop across the country. It was it was uh, it was small small uh, small releases at first, so and grew from there. So, so we're at a point now where um, the 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 cards have been back for for how long? Well, let's see. For two thousand three, thirteen, fourteen, fifty six, uh, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen years now. Wow! So, uh, so far outlasting the the original run. Yeah, yeah, that's the crazy thing. And they've had various incarnations. Like they would call it all new series um, mm. in two thousand three. All new, like starting all over one all new series one, and they go all the way up to all new series seven. Um, I came in when they decided to call it the flashback series where we got to paint the original characters as a, where are they now type situation? Like, the, oh, you know, interesting. yeah, so it's like a new gag. So I would take like Nat nerd, uh, the, 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 the pudgy little comic book kid with the, uh, glasses and zits all over his face. And he's like a CEO of like a Microsoft, uh, stuff like that, you know, so or split kit, um, who was a kid who was, uh, he was half, a nice little kid. And on the other half, he was like a hoodlum with like a knife and a gun. Um, I, I drew him like he's in jail. Half of him is in jail. Half of him is in jail. The other half that's out of jail, he's dressed as a cop. <laughs> so things like that. So, uh, which was cool. Cause that was like me coming back. I got to right away paint the classic characters. Um, and it was hard at first because I'm like trying to emulate the style of the original guys and I'm just doing my own thing. And, you know, and there was already a huge garbage pill kid fan base uh forums out there and websites and and 
was like, whoa, these guys are hard. They're critical. You know, you got to like, you know, get the right amount of fingers, the dimples in the right spot. And, and, uh, so I just kept practicing and practicing and, and I just, I stayed on board. Tops kept me on board and, uh, through the flashback series, they changed it to brand new series. And then they changed brand new series to just a yearly series. So it would be like 2014 series one, 2014 series two. Now we're into 2016 and they're giving it a whole new name, calling it American as apple pie in your face series. Huh. <laughs> Pretty long, but, uh, um, so that is actually coming out tomorrow. Oh, so it's another, yeah, there you go. Another, uh, uh, worlds colliding there. So, and, and well, and talk about the, the documentary now, now, now the documentary is not affiliated with tops. It's not an, a quote unquote official thing. So it's a pure expression of your fandom as, as somebody who grew up with this. Yeah. I mean, I, and it probably wouldn't even have come about if I hadn't been painting these garbage pail kids, um, for a while now myself, or the fact that Jeff who brought me in, uh, to the to the fold uh, at Tops uh, when he was the art director there had left Tops so he's kind of like his own man now and he had the contacts available um, we had a, a solid team that could could film could 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 fly out with us and, and film uh, the interviews for for the original artists and creators um, we set up an Indiegogo campaign um, got a lot of great backing and pledgers to help fund it. Um, so yeah, I mean that's uh, you know of course being a fan, but gosh now to meet the original artists and creators and know that there's so much more behind the story of just like you know something that seems so surface and superficial, which is fine. <laughs> uh, right. But as an artist myself, I love to know that there was something going on when the creators were thinking about this that uh, they were trying to create something very transversive and something that was very counterculture, and uh, and it worked. So, and, and like I said, to me, it's like an underground cartoonist going mainstream yet keeping his cred and not selling out in a weird way. It's like the strangest thing, like underground, an underground art phenomenon that everybody knew at the time, like the parents knew, the kids knew, yet it lost no, no cred of selling out. So at least at that time, sure, it's, it's up to people's debate whether they think, you know, garbage fell kids are, are, uh, played out now or not you know i think i think they're good i think they have their their place i think you know a couple vinyl sculpts that funko did are great here and there um i think they're still in a good place <laughs> there's definitely not mainstream <laughs> I, I i think you know i one thing i always say is oftentimes the difference between high culture and low culture is sometimes longevity and right. uh, the, the longer something is part of the landscape the more we uh the more we embrace it because, you know, you know, SNL was this subversive thing when it started, but now it's considered, you know, it's, it's an institution. Absolutely. There you go. Right. Perfect word for it. Absolutely. And, and I mean, and I think, I think that's the garbage pill kids too, at this point. Well, and it's amazing because it's funny when you have to like in the documentary, we, we talked to uh, an appraiser and pop culture specialist who appraises things for high end galleries. And he puts the worth on some of these cards and original artwork and we're hitting thousands and thousands mega thousands for the original atom bomb and and we give prices so that that'll be in the doc too and i think that is really a good thing to show when we're just trying to have like the common person the aunt or the uncle who has really no interest in snot-nosed pictures of cards 
They're worth money. Now I understand why they're important. You know, not that that's the reason why something's important, but it's like, you know, there is more like, you know, these, you know, the atom bomb is considered like one of like, it's considered the Mona Lisa of pop culture art, you know? So it is high end money there. And it's, it's a weird spot because unlike baseball cards where, Oh yeah, we have these valuable baseball cards from the third, you know, Mickey Mantle and, and Yogi Bear and all that, but garbage book kids, you know, the cards are valuable, but they have artwork behind it too. That's valuable. The original paintings, the cons, the pencils, the, the, the pencil sketches and all that stuff, color roughs. Um, so there's collectors, there's high end collectors that buy up all that stuff. There's collectors for each and every category you could think of people that just collect the cards that just collect the toys that just collect original artwork that collect custom artwork. They personally hire myself and a couple of these other new guys, Brent Engstrom, Mark Pingator, Leron Dijarnet, Dave Gross. These are some of the new guys that, that work on the, on the, the garbage pail kid sets. And they, we get hired by these collectors to do paint themselves as garbage pail kids or their family or weird mashups of movies that, you know, we is incredible because uh, we touch on that in a documentary and from, from talking to like these 20 and 30 year olds who, who have no concept of what garbage pail kids are or what the movie's about, that topic interests them the most. <laughs> mm. So we're like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, the fact that we're mashing up, you know, star Wars and Indiana Jones, but they're all garbage pail kids. Or right. you know, I do a painting of Ferris. I, I do a, a time travel painting of Bill and Ted mixed with Terminator mixed with back to the future mixed with Dr. Who, but they're all garbage pail kids in this one scene. Uh, uh, <laughs> He's, he's, you know, that, that struck a chord with some, some, uh, you know, the, the, like I said, you know, the crowd who missed the boat were born too late and have no idea what, what GPK even is that interesting right. the most. So it's like, I think we're going to hit a spot for every uh, demographic. You know, we, we interview the old people in this movie, uh, middle-aged and little, little kids, like four-year-old to 10-year-old kids who, who just know the new garbage pail kids. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, those of you who are listening to this will have your interest peaked. Uh, certainly, you know, for me, that just having this conversation was a a fascinating excursion because a lot of this history I I just don't know. So I think th- to be able to peek behind the curtain of something that we do, you know, I mean, certainly at the time it was thought of as uh, even if it was thought of as, as subversive, I don't think it was thought of as as being something that would be long lived. And so the fact that here we are 31 years later now and, yeah. and, and we have a documentary coming out about the Garbage Pail Kids, that certainly speaks to uh, how much of a pop culture mark they did make. Absolutely. We love it. It's, it's, it's looking great. We're, we're really excited and can't wait for people to see this. Well, Joe, thank you so much for, for coming and hanging out with us. And uh, I, I want to make sure that our audience uh, has a way to reach out to you. Do you, do you have a web presence where people can, can contact you? Um, I'm at joesimco.com. That's, you know, just my website. Um, email me through there. My contact's on that page. Um, Facebook, I'm searchable on there. Joe Simco. Twitter, Joe Simco. <laughs> so, so wherever you're, you're searching for Joe, if you, if you Google him, it should, it should come right up probably. Yeah. And 30 years of garbage. It's, it's, we got the Facebook page. Uh, we just started a new Twitter account, a fresh one. So, so we're just, you know, launching that all stuff. We're going to be hitting the Instagram and we're, 
30 years of garbage.com. Uh, and uh, Joe, thank you so much for, for talking to us. Hopefully uh, you'll come back and join us again and, and delve into some other piece of nostalgia theater that, that you're a fan of and we can, we can reminisce together. Oh, I love it. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And again, thank you for coming on, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Now, uh, if you have any uh, feedback for me, certainly if you have feedback for my guests that you'd like me to pass on, uh, email me at moviefilmpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit like on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash moviefilmpodcast. Also, I'm at the Huffington Post, where my movie reviews go up regularly, as does this show, as does the movie film show. And you can find me at my website. That's zackiescorner.com, Z-A-K-I-S corner. That's also my Twitter handle and my instagram handle so please let me know what you think of the show go to itunes stitcher wherever you find podcasts hit subscribe leave a review and let me know how i'm doing and thanks for listening to the nostalgia theater show credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.